The Tim Hill Podcasts. Ordinary people's extraordinary stories. Welcome to the Tim Hill Podcast. In this episode, I'm going to have a chat with Juan. Juan's going to tell us about his life. So Juan, if you can tell me where and when you were born, if you could describe what it was like where you grew up, the schools you went to, and the education that you received. So Juan, you're in the room. Hello, hello, everyone. So uh, my name is Juan Ayala. I was born in a city called Bridgeport in the state of Connecticut in the U.S. on the East Coast. Uh, and I was born July 2nd in 1993. And um, so I'm a cancer for those uh, astrology folks who <laughs> who pay attention to all those signs. I have no idea what any of it means, but I'm a cancer for what it's worth. And um, I grew up mainly in that city of Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's a very small city. Um, very industrial. It was a very big, booming location um, in in the industrial era. But then, you know, given the economy and everything that happened, um, the city didn't fare so well after that. But um, thankfully, I grew up in a pretty safe neighborhood uh, with my family. Uh, I'm a first generation American, so both of my parents emigrated from El Salvador uh, in the 80s and have been in the states since then. Uh, they met here, even though they're from the same country. Uh, so they met here in the States and, um, I have one sister and, uh, we were just a very small, tight knit, uh, Hispanic family. And my parents were very involved in our church. Um, so we were regular churchgoers. We would go to the three or four services a week. And, uh, I was very much raised in that sort of environment. And, um, in terms of schools, my, uh, I went to several schools early on cause we moved around. Uh, quite a bit all over the city and, and, you know, with districting and all of that, if you move, you know, one block too far over, then they'll assign you to another school. So uh-huh. just from ages four to six, I went to three different schools. Um, but thankfully it was, yeah. So it was lots of moving around, but I was young, so mm-hmm. I probably wasn't paying attention to it at the time. <laughs> four years old, four year old, you know, <laughs> new school, new friends. Yeah. That's all they think. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's just have a, a, a look. So your parents come from El Salvador. Yeah. And uh, I guess that's a Spanish-speaking uh, part of the world. It is, yes. Now, did they teach you, uh, did you, were you brought up bilingual? So you spoke Spanish at home and American or English? Yes. Yeah, so uh, my parents didn't know any English, so they couldn't really teach us English. Uh, when we were young. So we didn't learn until we were about four or five years old and started school. But, you know, that early in age, you're absorbing everything. So kids can learn a dozen languages at that age if you teach them. Uh, thankfully, I have retained most of my Spanish. Uh, I just I live in New York City now and and work from home. So I'm not doing much Spanish speaking uh, <laughs> on my podcasts or, or doing uh, the other work that I do. Uh, I wish I did. But uh, unfortunately, that's not the case. So I just try and speak Spanish where I can uh, just mm. to keep it fresh. You know, you don't want to lose that. It's a very special skill to have. Well, it is. I mean, especially if you start traveling around a bit. Yeah, absolutely. My, my language skills are fairly poor. I must have. <laughs> <laughs> but, but there again, I was dragged up kicking and screaming trying to speak English. And I struggled <laughs> with that most of the time. <laughs> Yeah, I was a very chatty kid, so it was not it was not difficult to get me to to talk. I was uh, very very chatty, and that's how I got involved into the performing arts and all of that. And we'll get into that in a bit. But that's yeah, yeah. I was just very expressive, very imaginative kid. 
uh, and in two languages on top of that. <laughs> okay, so let's move on slightly. Let's 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 see what your uh, your elementary school was like. So, uh, I mean, you had quite a few changes in in, I guess, the kindergarten and, and moving mm -hmm. on uh, into elementary. Yeah, so I went to I went to one school uh, for pre K, and then for kindergarten uh, went to another school because we I think it was just necessary. I don't even think it was because of a move yet. Uh, and then did my, my my kindergarten year at that one school, and then a month into my first grade year, we moved. Uh, I was actually accepted to a magnet school, which um, is schools in the states here. Uh, primarily in the East Coast, I think. Uh, but magnet schools um, have particular specialties. So ours in particular was science and technology. So we were a bit more in that direction of a magnet school. And it's by lottery. So it's a very select uh, group of people and it's not districted. So kids from all over the city could go to this one school no matter where they lived in the city. Mm -hmm. um, so I went there from first grade through eighth grade. It was a very small school, 50 kids per graduating class. Uh, very small. Um, and, uh, I, I, growing up, I was very much into history and music, uh, and, and we would call it language arts. Eventually that switches over. You just call it English or literature. Mm -hmm. Um, but that, those were very much my focus. I did not like math and science and I still don't, uh, I love history. I love music. I love, uh, reading, writing. I'm, I'm a journalist now. So, mm. you know, I, that very much carried on through my years and, uh, I got involved in, in uh, the performing arts uh, during those years in elementary and middle school as well. Um, I did my first theatrical production of a musical called Seussical that was based on the stories of Dr. Seuss. So the, uh -huh. the cat in the hat oh, was in there. I played, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I played Horton the elephant from Horton Hears a Who. So that was my first acting role ever at like 12 years old. And oh. uh, that launched my whole performing side of life mm. so yeah just want to take you back just a little bit mm -hmm. you said you, you were really into history what area of history are you in, uh, in really involved or really interested in i really enjoyed ancient civilization so ancient greece ancient egypt ancient rome those were very interesting to me uh, again growing up uh, in, in a religious household you know ancient egypt is the whole yeah. first 30 percent of the bible <laughs> so the <laughs> stories of moses and and, and you know, yeah. all of those things uh so it was very cool to see like the religious side connect with the you know people consider Historical. the bible yeah. to be fictional others want in fact you know there's a whole debate on that but um uh it was just very cool to see them sort of intersect that way and like all oh, these cool stories of people that might have lived and then just the general history of that era yeah so, so what, what about sort of more recent history, sort of the first, second world wars? Um, yes. Yeah, so American, American history. I mean, because I guess that's, that's, that doesn't go back too far. Yeah. Amer oh, we're uh, a, lot, we're a, a, lot a baby country history. compared to, yeah, compared to, to most of Europe yeah. where we're toddlers. You guys have got mm -hmm. another eight centuries on us. <laughs> um <laughs> So I, I wasn't always a huge fan of American history, especially now, you know, I'm, I'm almost 30 and and learning how much erasure or severe editing there is in American t history textbooks. So I'm not a huge fan of, of it. You know, it's like an interesting perspective. It's like, you know, it's like when you play telephone, by the time it gets to the fifth person, it's like, that's not what the yeah. first person said, but <laughs> you get the gist of it. Absolutely. Uh, 
but yeah, I was very interested in, in like the, the, um, early, early American history, but even then, you know, that our treatment of the native American population in this country hasn't been particularly uh, pleasant either. So I try not to get too much into American history, but, um, uh, again, being Hispanic, uh, ancient Mayan and Aztec and Incan civilizations, that's fascinating to me. And it's, uh, I wish I, I wish there was more information out there. Uh, have because you really traveled to those areas? I have only been to El Salvador. And that was a very long time ago. I think I was like four or five years old mm-hmm. uh, when I went. But I do want to go back. Uh, I, I do want to you know, see parts of Mexico and, and the rest of Central America where my ancestors presumably came from yeah. I have a dna kit uh <laughs> that's uh hopefully i'll find out where uh where my lineage oh uh, that's, that's interesting I've, I've, I've done that yeah so, um, in, in april is uh, world's dna day so i, I very yeah. much want to do a sort of to celebrate that but mm. we'll find out <laughs> yeah so I, I did mine and what surprised me is that um i'm 51 percent english mm. 38% Scottish. Um, I've got 9% Swedish, 1% or 5% Irish, 1% Norwegian. Mm. Um, and I can't work out where the Scottish has come from. <laughs> I was going to ask, was any of that surprising for you? Was any of that like, oh, what? I, I always knew that I, I had some... Um, some Viking in me, mm-hmm. um, but the Scottish, I mean, <laughs> like, wow. <laughs> Mind you, there are occasions that I put a, a skirt on and, uh, <laughs> and it's <fun. laughs> particularly on burns. So we uh, have a burn up and I, I've, I've got a kilt and uh, all the regalia. <laughs> I quite like dressing up. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's not about me. It's about you. <laughs> So elementary school, one to, one to eight. Um, so this small school then, um, how many in the class? So 50 graduated. Did you have a, a, a class of 50 or? That was or a two classes out? of 25. Two to 25. So, yeah. so, I mean, you got a fairly good run at it then. If, if a, a class of 25, yeah. the teacher's got time to, to, to work with you. Mm-hmm. And, and so you're like a little sponge back then. So what? So you, you, you you can speak Spanish and you were learning English mm-hmm. so as you went through school. Um, was there anything that really stood out for you in elementary school? Um, I think in general it was just my 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 connection and love for music. Uh, the church that we went to, uh, my parents are Pentecostal Christian and they're a very lively bunch of people mm-hmm. they're not sort of the quiet hymn it's like nope loud boisterous music and it was a spanish church as well so it's this really energetic music with a latin beat under it and just very very energetic and and mm-hmm. all of that so church was never boring to me if anything the sermons were boring uh <laughs> but my love for music that started in church easily crossed over to the music classes in, in school yeah. and and then once we reach i think it was fifth or sixth grade all students have to choose a music concentration. So you either go to choir, mm-hmm. strings or band. And yeah. I wanted to go to choir because I, I had no interest at the time to learn an instrument. I wanted to, to sing. Uh, I eventually learned piano and, and some bass and some other things. But uh, th- that was definitely something that, that stood out for me was just that sort of 
through line in my anchor in my love for music that has not subsided. I very much still love music and singing. And uh, sadly, yeah. I don't have a piano here in my tiny New York apartment. But uh, <laughs> whenever I visit home, I'll I'll, I'll go on the piano. <laughs> can can you not get a, a small keyboard? Just a little electric keyboard to play. I on. can. I'd probably have to stash it under the couch or somewhere to <laughs> to mm. make room for it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's move on a little bit then. So you you sort of finished elementary school. What was your um, your high school? So that? for high school, we actually moved. This was the final move before I moved to New York, but we moved a town over, so a completely different town. Um, the city that I grew up in was, uh, very, uh, the majority of the folks were from minority groups. So, um, black and Hispanic were the main groups in Bridgeport in that city that I grew up in. And then moving, we went to a very, uh, white and affluent suburban town. This was very sort of a culture shock for me. There was no one around that really looked like me, a uh, very small group of people that did, uh, but it was a great high school. Um, I, I like very much love the education I got there. Um, and again, my, my love for history and English very much carried over and, uh, my disdain for math and science was just further confirmed. <laughs> I did not like it. And, uh, those were not areas I excelled in, uh, but high school, my high school education was great. Um, still yeah. connected with lots of folks there and very mm -hmm. supportive, uh, very wonderful arts programs in that school as well. Yeah. Just, just one, one small question. Mm -hmm. At that high school, you said it was it's predominantly sort of um, white. Hmm? Did you experience any sort of racism towards you at that time or just people just accepted you? Um, nothing in particular sticks out. If, if any, unfortunately, I think I experienced a little bit more judgment from my fellow Hispanics who were calling me a white boy because of the way I talked and dressed and acted, yeah. but I was just acting and talking and being myself i grew up in a you know a working class but a middle class christian yeah conservative home so i wasn't going to act any other way um but i also had two cousins at that school so me and my sister are a year apart so we went to school together yeah. and high school mostly together and we had two cousins who were half salvadorian and um half polish from their mother's side um and uh so i at least knew a few other people at the school. I wasn't completely alone. I had my big sister, a cousin in my same grade and an older cousin. Hmm. Um, and people were often surprised that I'd say, Oh, I'm related to, to Michael and Christina. And like, really? How? Because they saw me as Hispanic and saw them as white. So I was like, how are you related to them? And I'm like, Oh, well, their dad is my dad's brother. And you know, hmm. <laughs> the rest is true. <laughs> So let's have a look at your arts then. So you excelled in arts. Um, what uh, what did you sort of work on? Did, was was there a theatre group that you worked in, or is it just a, a singing group, the, the choir? So at um, the time, they had an annual musical. So they do one big musical every year. Since yeah. then, the since the the program has grown, they've done a, they've been able to do like they do a play in the fall they'll do a Shakespeare or children's theater um, they've done I wish I had access to all of that when I was there but unfortunately mm -hmm. that wasn't the case but um, it was mainly choir uh, mainly lots of singing um, all throughout and then my junior year my third year of high school is when I did my next theater 
production. Um, there's a neighboring town that it was like an, it was a non connected to schools. So it was like an after school theater for high schoolers. Mm-hmm. And um, the lovely thing about it was that its mission was to connect kids from different sort of groups. So kids from the inner city, kids from the suburbs, kids from private schools, and they all just come together and do one big show. And um, it was more of a highlights of several musicals. So my first year we did uh, several songs from Rock of Ages, which was a big rock musical with songs yeah. from Queen and all these other folks uh, in the Heights, which was one of the first Hispanic musicals to be on Broadway. Um, we did, I think we did bits from West Side Story from a show called Memphis Ragtime. We just did like, you know, four or five songs from each show. And that way, everyone in the show could have like their moment to shine. It wasn't mm-hmm. just the two leads and everyone and the whole chorus or the ensemble. It was very much everyone got their moment. Everyone got a song or something to do. Yeah. Um, and that's really what ignited my 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 love for acting, because when I was 12 and I did that one show, I didn't see that as acting. It's I'm standing and singing because <laughs> when you're 12, you're not <laughs> thinking, oh, let me put I'm an actor. My process yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I got to high school and, and did some more shows in high school in my later years that um, that acting as, in general, not just singing, uh, really piqued my interest. Mm. Yeah. So that's uh, so and you also had one play a year in your your high school. So did you get a, a lead role or were you in the just uh, in the, the choir or the the. Um... So in high school, every year I was always very curious to do the show. But my freshman year, especially, I was very new uh, and I didn't know anyone. So I was a little too scared to do the show. My freshman year, I think that's when they did uh, 42nd Street. And I was a little too scared to do the show that year. And then my sophomore year, same thing. I was a little too scared. Um, (laughs) That year they did... But that year I had become more involved in the choir, in the choir mm-hmm. class. Um, so my freshman year, I did freshman choir. And then for uh, sophomore, juniors and seniors, they had one big choir called the concert choir. Um, so I did concert choir all throughout high school. And then I also was in the chamber singers, which is a smaller group. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like five or six to a part. So a very select group of 20 students and you had to audition for it. And it was considered an honors class. Um, so you got a bit more of a credit. Uh, and I did that my last two years of high school. Um, but it was only my senior year that I did the big show. Uh, we did Fiddler on the Roof. No, right. And I played um, Fierka, who was the uh, Russian soldier who falls in love with one of the daughters. And the father like forbids it because mm. they're, they're Jewish and he's a Tsarist and not having it. Um, and it was a it was a very fun role. It was a very fun show, and uh, we got nominated for a few awards uh, at the Connecticut High School Theater Awards. Mm. That was very cool. And actually, our lead actor won Best Actor in a Musical. All um, right, our our uh, Topol. Yeah, <laughs> Artevia. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was phenomenal. He was a Yeah, I know the play. <laughs> so just just a quick question there mm-hmm. um the 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 choir that you were in was it a cappello or did you have musical accompaniment 
the concert choir was yeah. uh, with accompaniment, and then the chamber yeah. singers was a cappella. Mm -hmm. So I learned a lot about music doing that choir for my last two years of high school, learning sight singing and harmonizing and blending. And you know, you're not the mm -hmm. soloist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, just you're part of a of a unit, and you're all carrying each other. Very, very, uh, a very important sort of teamwork uh, yeah. exercise. You know, everyone says that sports are all about teamwork, but choir and theater and all of that are just as absolutely, yeah. So, your last year, you were in the the big on the big the big musical and and that i guess you got a lot of adulation the crowd went wild when you finished your song <laughs> i wish i had a song my character uh has a a bit in the song to life uh mm. which is where they're celebrating one of the daughters is going to get married to the butcher and uh to laser wolf the butcher and the russian soldiers come in and we start singing and pretending to drink vodka but we're all teenagers so it's just water um, <laughs> and we're just drinking you mean nobody, water nobody snipped in a bit of vodka <laughs> i feel like that'd destroy your vocal cords if you did that right before singing yeah. <laughs> just dry you out um and that was a very fun number so that was like a very big group number all the all the mm -hmm. guys were on stage and that was like the the one big guy number because everything else was like matchmaker. That song is like all the yeah. daughters are singing and all of that. And sunrise sunset is all the families. And um, but uh, that was a very thrilling number because it was very, uh, very well choreographed and just very there's like 20 of us on on stage. And it was very fun that that was a very, very fun show to do. And of course, when that one finished, I was, of course, you know, 2020 hindsight was thinking like man i wish i did the shows earlier <laughs> in school <laughs> i was like why did i wait but yeah you know. <laughs> well live and learn yeah <laughs> like, when an opportunity presents itself grab it with both hands and jump in with both feet absolutely <laughs> and and you won't won't ever live in with regrets absolutely so <clears throat> graduating high school then yeah graduating high school um what did that, you do next next i went to a local community college uh and i was initially very interested in going into law so i was applying for colleges for a criminal justice degree and and doing something along those lines uh but then something in me i don't know what maybe it's divine intervention or something i don't know uh just said try the acting thing they have theater classes here so uh, I decided to major in theater uh, with a minor in English and sociology. And I did all the theater classes and I did several plays. And it was the first time I'd done a play. I'd only done musicals before that, mm -hmm. musicals and concerts. And so now I got to really just focus on acting and character and, uh, uh, you know, scene study and all of that. And so um, what was your first play? My first play was a play called Welcome to Arroyos, and it takes place in New York City. Uh, it's from a New York City playwright um, who is also Hispanic. And um, that was my first sort of comedy role. Um, I played, it took place at a lounge or like a, a bar. It's funny, mm -hmm. the character, the main character is it's not a bar, it's a lounge because, you know, he wants to seem fancy because it's New York. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I played one of the DJs there and me and the other 
character who's also a DJ. We're sort of the comic relief. And that was the first time I ever did something like that. Uh, so it was very fun to do because sort of getting out of my comfort zone. Um, I was a little yeah. bit uptight during that time and didn't consider did, myself to be very funny. So it was fun. Did to, you get your timing right? Did you get a laugh? Yes. So thankfully, because uh, a lot of my interactions was with the other DJ character, we had to be like on top of timing. Uh, so thankfully it all went very well. We got lots of big laughs. We were, we were very, our purpose was to make people laugh and thankfully yeah. they did. <laughs> <laughs> it could have gone horribly wrong. If Absolutely. Just just crickets. Just with deadly silence. <laughs> right. <laughs> Great. So what, um, so you said you did several, which, what was your favorite one you did? There was a play we did called, Mind you, I wasn't in this one, but I did another production of it and was in that one. But uh, all of the theater arts majors have to take, in addition to all the acting courses and uh, scene study courses and voice and diction and all of that, uh, you also have to take a directing course and a theater arts practicum. And in the practicum, uh, no, stagecraft, sorry. Yeah. In the stagecraft class, uh, you learn to do, you have to pick a, a something you want to do. So because they were the ones that would run all of the technical aspects for the play that was done in the spring. So um, I wanted to do lighting design in uh, this particular production. They did was a play called The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. Uh, all right, yeah. Very interesting piece. It took place in purgatory. Uh, and it was basically a trial of uh, against Judas Iscariot. Someone wanted to uh, a female attorney wanted to. Uh, prove that he was uh, innocent and he shouldn't be in the ninth circle of hell freezing to death and mm -hmm. uh, or not really to death because he's already dead um, but it was just a very interesting piece and a lot of the uh, sort of expert witnesses that were called to the stand in the play were historical figures so Sigmund Freud makes an appearance uh, Mother Teresa uh, makes an appearance uh, Pontius Pilate who's a biblical figure you know, it was just a very, very interesting uh, play. And, and doing the design for it was very cool because uh, the way that they had built the set, they painted sort of like a river of souls from like Greek mythology onto the floor. And uh, having to do the lighting design to make it look like it was sort of constantly moving and shifting around uh, was very interesting. And, and the plays that I was in were very fun. But to me, that design aspect was really cool because I had to pay attention as an audience member and not mm -hmm. as an actor in a one character's sort of perspective yeah so you had to be more critical of, of what was actually going on yes. and to be able to visualize um how the scenes were were constructed where where the best lighting would be to to highlight the i guess the guy that's or the person that's speaking at that time so yeah that's that sounds like a lot of fun. Mm. So how, how how long did you do on that course? How long? Yeah. Um, was that a was your course. It was a it was a, the program. It was a uh, a two year program. Um, but because I had I was also working for a local theater company, um, so I was a part time student. So I had finished. It taken me a bit longer, about three and a half or about three and a half years, I believe, to, to finish the whole thing. Um, 
but that's sort of when I started to work a little bit more professionally outside of the school setting. Um, yeah. I did several shows for a few local theater companies um, that were great. We did musicals, we did plays. I got to direct uh, a children's theater play. Uh, that was very fun. And in a college as well, I did some writing. Uh, mm -hmm. I wrote a, I wrote a musical, which was very challenging. And I would probably never do it again, but I did it once and I can say I did it. Uh, but, you know, writing music was was very fun and very challenging. And mm -hmm. um, I also directed that production. So I was very much me doing everything, but I refused to put myself in it. I knew when writing it, I was not also going to be in it. I didn't want it to be like the Juan show. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm going to write these roles for all my friends who I know are crazy talented uh, because the program didn't have any musical aspects to it. It was all drama. Mm. It was all a straight acting and directing. And I knew all of my my friends in the program came from were like me. They did lots of musicals and whatnot. So they were sort of craving a musical something. Yeah. Um, so I asked my professor, I'm like, can we produce my musical here? And he said, yeah, absolutely. So I got to produce it and we put it on and we ran for for two weekends. And it was a very, very fun experience getting to sort of fully create something from the ground up. Yeah. Brilliant. So you, you finally managed to, to graduate then after some considerable time. Yeah. <laughs> because you was working your way through it. So was that so when I guess when you came out of it, you, you managed to clear your debt off? So thankfully just... community colleges are very affordable. Yeah. Um that's the beauty of them. So they're uh usually government funded. Um, so it's very affordable. It's a couple thousand a year as opposed mm. to, so I, I graduated debt free. We were yeah. able, I was it's able not, to work. Enough. Yeah. I was able to work, um, over the summers and save up and help my parents out a bit with the payments. And, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, thankfully I'm not in a situation that a lot of Americans are in. I'm not, you know, 50,000, a hundred thousand dollars in debt, thankfully. So. What happened at the end of uh, once once you finally <laughs> graduated? What did you do? Did you carry on working locally in the in the um, theaters and stuff in in the local area, or did you move off? Yeah, so I continued working. Uh, I finished in two thousand fourteen, and uh, that year I did a lot of local theater. Uh, again, I was working for a theater company. So that was my job. I was a, an assistant manager for a local theater company. Um, they had sort of traditional theater seating, but at the sides in back of the theater, they also had like dining tables and they had a bar. So I was sort of helping with all of that and um, also performing in some of the shows if, if, the, if there was a role that I, I was interested in. And uh, that's basically what I did, I think, for about a year and a half. And then they unfortunately had to uh, close their doors, I believe, in 2016. I honestly can't remember. It's such, you know, with <laughs> two years of a pandemic and being shut in, it's hard to keep track of time. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did stay local for several years, and it wasn't until 2019 that I moved to New York City. Um, <laughs> but a year prior to that move, um, or a few years prior to that move, I had started working uh, as an extra, as a background performer in several TV shows and 
in films because uh, Connecticut is like an hour and a half train ride from New York City. So it's very close. Yeah. Um, and just around the time that the theater company closed and I was out of a job, uh, I saw something on Facebook that said that they were seeking extras for a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie. And the Hallmark Channel produces like 50 movies a year. Every week they've got a new movie, if not several a week. Uh, especially their big Christmas movies. So I applied to do that and I met a whole bunch of uh, other actors doing that. And uh, I worked on that for about a week and that was a very fun project. Uh, I was not expecting to get involved in film or television at all. I assumed that if you wanted to do that, you had to go to Los Angeles and that mm -hmm. New York was for theater <laughs> and New York was, that was all they did, but that was completely untrue. There's a lot of film and television work here. Um, and eventually I started working as an extra and, uh, you know, after years of working in, in that area, got my first, uh, my first agent and uh, booked a role on a show uh, that's no longer on the air, but it ran for about five seasons uh, called Blind Spot. It was an, uh, an FBI sort of thriller on mm -hmm. NBC. And I worked on that show. I did four episodes total as one of their lab techs. Um, so that was like my first speaking role in television. And um, that was a lot of fun. I, I got to work on that show, uh, as I said, for four episodes and uh, including the the series finale. So it was like a planned conclusion. It wasn't like it was canceled. So it was nice that they got to finish up the story. And uh, after that, I got my first manager and I booked another role on a show last year. And uh, thankfully, since then, I uh, have been auditioning very consistently for for Broadway, for film and television, and uh, for a number of really cool projects. I'm, I'm very fortunate that I get to still pursue the career that I want while working consistently in my day job uh, as yeah. a journalist and as a podcaster as well. So let's, uh, let's uh, look at your day job. Mm -hmm. So you're a journalist. How did you get into journalism? Uh, so for the the one theater company I mentioned, when I was in a production there, one of our producers uh, was the editor-in-chief of an outlet called Media Village. And he knew that I was a writer and had written in college and all of that. And uh, also knew I was Hispanic. And he said, well, we're looking for a Hispanic journalist to cover the Spanish language uh, networks here in the States. Um, there's two major networks uh, that are Spanish language and I grew up watching those. So I was very familiar with all of their work. And uh, he had me, he said, if there's a new show that comes out, would you be interested in writing a review, you know, 800 words and send it over and we'll see what it's like if, you know, we'll publish it if we decide to publish it. And, and I've been writing for them now for five years. So I've been, uh, a freelance journalist with Media Village for five years since 2017. And uh, last year, um, so about two years ago, I started my own podcast uh, where mm -hmm. I interview actors called Actors with Issues. And uh, about a year into doing that show, my editor, who's the one that, that got me the job, he said, would you be interested in doing something like this for us where you get to interview actors from from television, but slightly higher profile people? because uh, they were an outlet versus me doing an independent show. Uh, yeah. And we're, it's been about a year of doing that show. So it's been two years of one podcast and a year of, of this other one uh, called Multicultural TV. Uh, and it's been uh, a lot of fun. It's been very, very fortunate. 
that uh, these opportunities have come my way that uh, in, in things I'm interested in, you know, because I've always been interested in writing and English yeah, and all that. Amazing. So what's, um, let's have a look at your podcast then, because, no, let's, let's just have a look at your, your journalism bit. So you're watching these Spanish channels mm -hmm. and you're doing a review in it in English. Yes. So uh, for, yeah, so Media Village, uh, the outlet that I write for, um, it's a bit of a mix of our audience. So our audience isn't just the regular consumer, but it's also advertising companies and marketing agencies um, that are looking for ways to implement their brands into um, different parts of television, not just traditional, you know, CBS, NBC, the regular networks that everyone watches in the States, but also uh, streaming platforms, digital networks, um, you know, other language networks, because, you know, Hispanic people also go to McDonald's. So if they see a McDonald's commercial, yeah. they're going to go get the new sandwich or they'll go buy sneakers or see this movie, whether it's in English or not, you know, we can mm -hmm. understand imagery. Um, you know, the plot to a lot of the dialogue in a lot of action films isn't really important. <laughs> it's more the action that <laughs> everyone's going yeah, yeah. Right. And you can piece together who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. So advertising is important regardless of what language you speak. Um, so I started doing mainly writing about like Spanish telenovelas and Spanish dramas. Um, but as I continued to do that, I had asked my editor, I'm like, is there other work? I, is there something English language I can cover? Because I would watch all these shows myself hmm. on my own time and would like, I would love to write a review for this. It's, you know, a great story, great representation for this community, for who, for any community really. And, uh, eventually I got involved. I got to expand beyond just the Spanish language, uh, yeah. programming, which was great. Cause that's mainly what I do now is, mm -hmm. um, not just Spanish language, but sort of a bit of everything. Just yeah. nice. Grand. So let's, um, let's explore this, uh, it's a little bit more. So, what's the, the the current thing you're working on? Because I guess the last two years where where we've been locked down, they haven't been producing programs as such. So you're going back over old stuff that they're regurgitating to over the last two years, or is it is it the, the or has there been some new stuff that's been produced more so than in lockdown? For the first four to six months of the pandemic, there was nothing being filmed because uh, there were no, there was not a great testing at the time. There were no vaccines yet. Uh, and the actors union, uh, SAG-AFTRA, did not have a plan in place yet mm -hmm. uh, for things like testing because it just wasn't widely available yet. So there was no safety plan in place. So they just weren't producing anything new. So what they did a lot, they would buy show, the American networks would buy shows from overseas. Uh, they would buy shows from the UK, from Canada, from South Africa, from Australia, and they would buy those shows a whole season and put mm -hmm. it on, instead of just rerunning the same shows that they had, they would just buy these new shows and gave it a whole new audience. Yeah. Uh, and, um, or some shows were, were, were filmed during COVID. There was a few shows that they gave, you know, they would send the cameras to the actors and they'd film in their home mm. and they would just kind of piece it all together. And there was a few good attempts at that. Not didn't always <laughs> work. 
So do you, do you get a, a pre-showing of these um, programs then before they get aired so you can write a review on it for, for the, the, the channel? Yes, usually. Uh, that's ideal because otherwise you're playing catch-up. Uh, yeah. You know, because a lot of times the critics that the critics, the reviewers, the journalists who get access to those screeners, they will lift the embargo for those reviews. So they'll say, like, you know, please hold your review until this day and time, two days before the show comes out so that folks can get yeah. um, so that I'm folks can get watch. right yeah. uh, to build some some buzz, you know, to to get some mm -hmm. word of mouth going around. Uh, and when you don't get access to the screeners, it's a little frustrating because then you're you're uh, playing catch up. Like I said, if the show has a huge premiere, your review is going to be lost in the sea of reviews. So it's yeah. uh, it's always better to to watch ahead of time. So so where'd you go for that? Or do, so, you, do you do you get it streamed to you? So usually they they have like special websites set up. Um, you know, like password protected and you have to request access. They have to approve your access and your credentials and you have to mm -hmm. send samples of your work. So they know you're not just a fan trying to get a sneak peek and you've actually are a published writer. <laughs> so it's a very long process sometimes, but thankfully once you build sort of networking and all of that, they'll yeah. send it to you. They'll say, Hey, we have this new show coming out in two weeks. Uh, do you want some screeners? And, and we'll send it to you. Uh, usually it's all I'm forced to watch it on my laptop because it's not mm. on the TV anywhere, unfortunately. For Netflix, yeah. they have some some, uh, some cool things that they'll unlock your account for you and put the screeners mm. in there so you can watch early from your TV, which is a lot easier <laughs> to do. Yeah. Can you not hook your laptop up to your TV and do it that way so you get it on the big screen? I think I don't have the adapters for that for my laptop right now. <laughs> I don't have the right cables because <laughs> it's a newer laptop. They make everything harder now. You have to get like three adapting connectors mm, force yeah. you to buy more hardware. <laughs> Always. Yeah. So what else we got? Um, so that's that part of it. Was there something else I can ask you there? Was it about the podcast? Let's have a look at your podcast. That's yes. Ask. So, so you uh, your own podcast. Mm -hmm. What's uh, what's your basic format that you use? So for my podcast, Actors with Issues, that one is my longest running show. Um, just over, just under two years, I believe. We started mm -hmm. in May of 2020, and it's almost April. Uh, we're actually a month away from our 100th episode which I'm very excited about. So, you know, finally hitting that triple digit <laughs> milestone. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, so for, for that podcast, it's um, sort of doing a mini deep dive into the guest careers. Um, yeah. And these are actors from TV, from film, uh, from Broadway, from across entertainment. They've worked in a number of fields and uh, I'll do my research. I'll go on IMDB and look at the shows that they've worked on or, if they have a website, I'll, I'll, you know, read about their background and just sort of formulate my questions that way. But it's very casual conversation. Uh, we always start with a rapid fire game. So I'll put 60 seconds on the clock and just ask very quick questions uh, <laughs> just to sort of get everyone energized and excited. And then uh, we go back and, and talk about their early years, um, how they got involved as an actor, where all of that started for them and uh, some of the earlier roles, their training and, uh, and the show is called Actors with Issues. So I also ask mm. every guest to 
uh, bring a topic of an obstacle that they've overcome that our audience of young artists and actors can can learn from because you know there's lots of challenges it's a uh, yeah in access to training it's a lack of diversity it's a you know took them 10 years to get their first agent or manager um talking about social media and how young actors have to be on every platform now and you know on tiktok and all these other platforms mm -hmm. and um there's always a, there's a number of things and mental health has been a huge one um but uh yeah mental health has been a very big one folks talked about especially during the pandemic uh yeah. dealing with depression or anxiety and you know but but they're not out earning they they can't get a role anywhere because there's no shows running there's no tv that's being filmed there's no films being filmed it's, it's yeah yeah thankfully in the no last money coming in so i get i guess that right. that would have a big effect on people yeah absolutely and thankfully uh since they uh developed the vaccines work has returned to normal slightly Mm -hmm. um you do still have to if you book a role even if it's a one day one line role uh, you still have to get several covid tests and test negative to avoid spreading it to mm. anyone um everyone has to be vaccinated um in order to work it's a it's a union rule so there's no way around that um and uh thankfully for theater broadway reopened uh about six months ago Mm -hmm. Finally, Broadway was shut down for about a year and a half and uh, finally got to reopen. And I've seen a few shows since then. And just you can feel the energy buzzing in the room. People are so excited and happy to be back watching live entertainment after so long. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a very, very tricky time because also they're keeping shows smaller. The, the yeah. networks are, are being are telling the writers and the producers like, no big protests, no big concert scenes, no big <laughs> event scenes. Keep it small because otherwise you're going to risk having, you know, a crew of 100 people and 200 extras. You've got hundreds of people in, in a small space and it's a lot to account for. And, you know, an outbreak is, is yeah. bound to happen if you have those giant scenes. So you may notice that, you know, the most recent season or series of a show um looks a little different it's a bit empty mm. <laughs> on <Yeah>. set <laughs> <laughs> so you've almost hit the ton with with over the last two years yes yeah. that's, that's pretty good going that's that's probably one out probably one a week yeah it's been it's been weekly uh they're in uh back in december and uh we actually hit it I think a month and a half sooner because uh, thankfully I've been working with some great publicists who have been sending me guests um, mm -hmm. regularly um, because the show is a bit more established now. And, you know, it's yeah. been going for two years. Uh, you know, I have a, a pretty decent viewership or, or listenership. So I'm able to book some slightly higher profile guests and because they're, tied to the premiere of something it's a bit more yeah. time sensitive so for the last month or so or about two months we've had to do two episodes a week because it's just it's like oh the show airs on monday and this episode comes out thursday or yeah three actors have a show coming out the same day so it's like okay we'll book it back <laughs> to back you know it's <laughs> it's been crazy it's it's been very yeah. very hectic but it's it's very lucky to 
you know, get to have these yeah. conversations with people. Yeah, I'm kind of in that position. I've I'm backed up till about June at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's two a week up to June. So, yeah. which is great, and and so the channel's growing, um, and I am having an absolute ball mm. interviewing people. I'm, I just love hearing people's stories. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it's fascinating getting to, you know, no no two paths are are alike. So hearing people's backgrounds is it's fascinating. And it, it, it's it's all about leaving a legacy for me. I'm not interested yeah. in making money out of it. Um, I'm doing it for the love of it, and for for people to leave a legacy. So, in the future, people can look back at these and think, "Wow, that's what they were doing in that time in history." Yeah. So, and that's that's how that's why I do it. Yeah. But I'm having a, I'm having great fun with it. So. That's kind of bringing us up to date. So what about your other podcast, the one that they, uh, they've asked you to do, and they're, and they're feeding you high-profile actors to, to do? Yeah, so um, that one, uh, we are, I think, a few months, a few weeks away from being uh, from doing that one for a full year. And we're about two months away from our 50th episode. So that one also has been weekly. Mm-hmm. So I've had like two weekly shows. Some weeks I've got three episodes coming out on two different podcasts and lots of editing. I do all the editing myself. I don't I don't trust anyone else to do it for me. <laughs> yeah. And is it all is it all audio editing or, or do you do video as well? Uh we have been doing video since this year. So previously it was all audio because I just didn't have the time. I was working a full-time job elsewhere. Yeah. while also writing and podcasting i just had to quit that other job because it was just way too exhausting uh to do it all i had to prioritize just my mental health to to be able to do what i really want to do and not do another job for pure necessity yeah. um so uh, that other podcast it's called multicultural tv talk um my 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 column on the website is multicultural tv so just add a talk mm-hmm to be the podcast yeah and uh it's interview it's very similar it's interviews with um with actors uh writers producers from different tv shows and films uh but the conversations are are geared mainly toward talking about diversity representation inclusion um storytelling and things like that it's less about the actor's career and more about the project that they're doing now and promoting and the impact that it's having on their community whether they're um Black, Hispanic, uh, Asian American, if they're in the LGBTQ plus community, um, just shining a light on people who are usually underrepresented because, you know, the star of the show is doing interviews with Entertainment Weekly and Variety and The Mm -hmm. Hollywood Reporter and the supporting cast. They're not getting these interviews. So I'm Mm -hmm. happy to talk with them and give them a platform because a lot of times for those supporting actors, that's their first big gig. Mm the first you know regular role they've had on the show so they're very grateful and very happy to to talk about it they're just not often given the chance so i'm happy to be that person for them yeah so so you mentioned every every uh diverse um what's the name apart from your your white straight males (laughs) (laughs) i think i've had one i've had one white straight male in my show in one year (laughs) The actors and, with issues, you know. It's just being racist, that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the show's called Multicultural. If I'm talking to a white straight male, yeah. there's nothing multicultural about them. <laughs> Actually, there probably is nowadays. 
Uh, yeah, you never know. We're a culture as well, you know. Yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> but again, you guys are talking with Variety and the Hollywood Reporter, and <laughs> you're the leads of all well, the shows. <laughs> perhaps not. <laughs> <laughs> so, the, the, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know whether you saw the latest news from LA yesterday, and the the Oscars. Did you see? Did you just about? see the slap? Yeah, of course I did. It's everywhere. <laughs> I didn't even watch the Oscars, and I know about it. Yeah, no, you did I. I say that's the most interesting thing that's happened in the Oscars in years, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Not since they announced the wrong winner for La La Land. That's the last big debacle they had. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, wrong, that was they called the wrong movie. movie. Oh, God. Yeah, <laughs> you couldn't make that stuff up, could you? Ugh. You think it's like an SNL sketch, you know, like mm. just the Oscars <laughs> gone wrong. Someone gets slapped on stage. Like, no, this was real. This actually happened. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It, 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 I don't know. It, it, looked, it looked like a comedy slap to me. I thought so, too, until they cut to Will screaming from the audience. And there was just like fire yeah, think... behind his eyes. I was like, oh, that was well, he's an actor. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, and then and then he was then he was up getting his award and all tearful and everything. Oh, give over! Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a fan it. of award shows. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> Don't watch any of them. So that brings you almost up to date. Then, so what's uh, what's in store for you for the next few years? Gosh, Where next few years. Forward? Where do you see yourself going? with all of this honestly in the next five years my goal is to in the next five years to book a series regular role on a television show and that means that my character appears in every episode or almost you're contracted to appear in every episode whether they write you in or not is up to them but um to be part of a main cast of a network or a, you know not network specifically or a streaming tv show but um definitely continue working in television and in the meantime working on my podcast and continuing to do that because um mm -hmm. the one for the for media village is it's a paid opportunity and i will continue to do that to support myself and uh my actors with issues podcast hopefully that grows into a paid opportunity you know with sponsorships and things like that of course you have to have fantastic numbers to get a sponsor but yeah you know, that's not why I started it. I started that show to talk with my fellow actors in a time that we had nothing but time in our hands and see how they were handling the pandemic and what advice they wanted to share. And uh, I want to continue doing that, whether it's a high profile person or not, just sharing their stories and their experiences and the advice they have for other young artists and just keep doing what I'm doing. Happy days. Yeah. <laughs> There's a title for us. For a program, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps you could be Charchi <laughs> in a rerun or a remake. <laughs> Just a thought. Yeah, they're rebooting everything these days. It's uh... yeah, that's because they can't come up with anything original. <laughs> yeah. To be fair, though, the original stuff doesn't do well. There'll be a, a, an occasional original show. And no mm. one watches it. So they figure, okay, well, we just wasted millions of dollars. So they just reboot something and hope that yeah. works. And sometimes it does work. That's the problem. 
Well, I guess they, I guess they rerun just about everything uh, two or three hundred times, and people seen it to death. Right. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, one. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on, uh, on your show, and uh, for 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 listening and for uh, for letting me share my story. Very appreciated. Absolutely. So how, how can people um, get to your show? What's what's the easiest way of getting your show on? Uh, so if you just go on YouTube and you type in Actors with Issues, uh, we have our YouTube channel on Instagram. Yep. It's also Actors with Issues. And uh, yeah, it's on it's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find us. Just look up Actors with Issues and you'll see our 97th episode went up earlier today. So around the with corner you. from 100. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much thank you tim the tim hill podcasts ordinary people's extraordinary stories <laughs> <laughs>